Good morning, church family. This morning I'll be reading from Psalms 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from, the, from this time forth and forevermore. Holy Father, we come before you this morning making a simple request that God, as we open our Bibles, you would open our hearts that we might receive what you have for us this morning and we might be changed by you. God, may we recognize our need and our desperate dependence upon the one who has saved our souls. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to go on a little journey with me this morning. About 3,000 years ago, during or right after the time of King David. And you're on a road outside of Jerusalem from really any direction. And you are walking toward Jerusalem. And, and if you know anything about that area of the, of the world, from any direction, the Jews would refer to themselves as going up to Jerusalem. Even if they were traveling south because... The city set on a hill. So you're, you're traveling to Jerusalem along with many other travelers. Uh, you're making this pilgrimage that uh, the Jewish people made every year, really, to, to begin to celebrate the Feast of Passover and, and different things like that. They would come from all over the known world to Jerusalem to do so. But you also uh, are aware um, as you're traveling, and we're traveling together, you get in your mind the, the fact that you're traveling in a group of people because you're aware of some things. You're aware of the fact that it is uncontrollably, unbearably hot. But then at night, it gets extremely cold. You're aware that as you go, you are vulnerable and extremely prone to attack. You look around you and you see many places where bandits or much worse can hide and set in wait to attack you. And as we travel during the day and rest at night huddled together around fires, you recognize that you are in desperate need of protection. And as you are going, there are many different things that they would do. But one would be they would sing from their hymn book. Their hymn book, the Psalms. And as they sang the Psalms, there were a certain number of Psalms referred to as the Psalms of Ascent. And the Psalms of Ascent were called that because they were the Psalms you would sing as you were going up to Jerusalem to worship. And while you would, of course, sing psalms of praise to the Lord and psalms of thanksgiving for all that he has done, you also would hear the psalm you just heard read, Psalm 121. A psalm of ascent sung with a desperate hope in mind. A psalm of ascent sung 
in need. Can you, as you're, as you're there and the, the air is hot and you're walking along this road and you are tider, tired from your journey and somewhat nervous about what might happen, you begin to hear the voices of the other travelers carry across the wind. And as you hear their voices coming across the breeze, can you hear them singing? If you were listening closely, you can hear them. It sounds something like, Shall slumber he who keeps thee. Behold, he'll not slumber, nor will he sleep. He who keeps Israel. And as you hear this song waft across the breeze, you recognize this is not a mere theological statement. This is a cry of a desperate soul that is vulnerable and in need. A traveler who is concerned with God's protection, God's provision, because it mentions God keeping his people or keeping you and keeping me over six times in these short verses. In the New Testament, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we are referred to as pilgrims, as sojourners, as people who live in a place that is not our home, as those who dwell in a country to which we do not belong. Whether it is 1 Peter 1 or 1 Peter 2 or Philippians chapter 3, we are reminded over and over again that we are travelers in this life and we are in desperate need of God. So life is hard. And over these last several weeks, we have certainly noticed that life is hard. Times can be difficult, whether it's external issues or internal issues, family issues, or even, heaven forbid, church issues. Things can get difficult. And when times get hard, our eyes can be drawn away and our hearts can turn to things or people for an answer. If you're like me, we are prone to run to every other thing when we are in trouble. What we have to realize this morning 
And what we have to wake up every morning and preach to ourselves is that in every need, He is your only help. We really have no historical context for this psalm. It's just Psalm 121, other than we know that it is a psalm of ascent and that it would have been sung as the travelers went to Jerusalem. However, the message in this psalm is extremely clear and very applicable even today. See, if you're like me, when you experience difficult things, you immediately run to a certain person or an activity or you just begin to try to fix it yourself. Maybe you're dealing with them today in this room right now and you don't know where to turn. Maybe you've come in here bearing the burden of a difficult decision that you have to make. Or maybe you're facing a a health issue or someone you know is facing a health issue. Maybe you have a financial problem or maybe you're struggling spiritually. Whatever your need today or in the future, when you're tempted to look somewhere else, turn your gaze to him because he is your sole source of salvation. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, this is a statement of fact. Uh, we, when we read this psalm, sometimes we are, uh, we are wont to say that he is looking to the hills as in I look up to the hills and that's where my help comes from but if you look at the verse closely especially if you look at it in Hebrew you realize this is actually not a a, a one full statement it's a statement and then a question he says in verse one I lift up my eyes to the hills period I lift up my eyes to the hills. So as he is walking and he is on this journey he looks up to the hills When he looks to the hills, he he is overwhelmed by something. He is overcome by the the fact that he is in danger. He is vulnerable as these hills loom and he can't see for a long distance. And he doesn't know what's behind there. It sparks a question. He looks to the hills and when he looks to the hills, he immediately says, Where does my help come from? What, he's, what we notice from this verse, or these, two, these, these sections here in this verse, is that when he looks at the hills, it automatically makes him think and realize he needs help. Because there's something beyond him, something above him, something that is overwhelming to him. So as he looks at these hills and he says, where does my help come from? You know, it's important. From the very beginning, like I said, this is, this is not a theological statement. Although it is, it's not simply one. It's a question, but it's a cry of a desperate traveler who's on a journey, and he knows something. And the the truth is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, you know that you are on a journey in this life. And as you are on a journey in this life, he recognized something that we need to come to recognize. And that is that, simply put, there are things that you will face in this life that are far beyond your ability and mine. 
And it should cause us to come to a place not where we say, well, you know what, let's John Wayne this thing and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and get it done. But instead, what happens is when he looks at his problems and he sees how big they are and how beyond him they are, he he has cause to realize that he is desperately in need. Did you know this morning that as as a person who is walking this journey with Christ through this life, when you face difficult problems, God did not call you to do it on your own. But in fact, you are in desperate need of the one who made you. And as you are in desperate need of the one who made you, look at what it is. Because I love how he doesn't just ask the question. This would be the worst song in the world if it ended at verse 1. In fact, many of us, that's how most of our problems happen, right? I look at my problems. I look unto the hills. Where am I going to get help? And that's it. We're, we're done. We're just desperate at that point. And we, we don't know what to do. Where am I going to get my help? But the beauty of it is, is that the psalmist and God himself does not leave us hanging in regard to that question. So when you face the problems of life, when you are overwhelmed by the difficulties of life, when you look at them, what you realize is, while they may be big, and you say, where does my help come from? He responds, my help comes from the Lord. See, you're not left alone. I'm not left alone to walk this life. The Lord is my help. But then look at what he says. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There's actually a, 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 a word picture here. The word picture is this. If you imagine that traveler on the road and they're singing this song and they look up to the hills, the hills are a problem. The hills are ominous. They're, they're an issue. He looks up to the hills. And he sees this problem and he says, where is my help from? But then he says, my help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Notice this, that when he looks at the mountains and they are his problem, the only place he can look for help is above the mountains. Did you catch that? He says, my help comes from the Lord who's the maker of what? Of heaven. So he went above the mountains and earth, the mountains. So notice this. He says, when I'm facing these issues, when these ominous things are weighing down upon me, and when I am prone, or when we are prone to look elsewhere for the answers, he is our only source of salvation because he is the one, the problems you have, the issues that that we might face, he is far above them because he is not only the one who dwells in the heavens, but he's the one who made the heavens and the earth. And he's far beyond our problems. So he says, my help, it comes from the Lord, the maker or the one who made heaven and earth. See, it's easy to become overwhelmed. It's easy to become overwhelmed by the problems of this life. It's easy to become weighed down by trials and difficulty and and the ominous things, even uh, worry and fear of tomorrow. It's very easy to be weighed down by those things. And yet, if you continue to only look at your problems, I know this sounds very simplistic, but if you continue to only look at your problems, you will only see your problems. Let's try that again. If you continue to look at your problems, you're only going to see your problems. What does the psalmist do? The psalmist calls us, as he does, to look above them, to look over them. See, I look to the hills, that's a problem. 
So where is my help going to come from? Well, my help comes from above the hills. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And as you and I are brought into these times of whether it's, it's a difficult decision or it's pain or it's grief or it's hardship or trial, whatever it is, the call is not to gaze at our problems. The, pa- the call is to draw our gaze upwards to the one who is over all things because he alone is your source of salvation. Now the beauty of the character of the father toward his children is he doesn't just deliver. He doesn't just deliver when you and I are in trouble, but his eye is always on you. His eye is ever present on you. So in the midst of hardship, when you're tempted to look anywhere else, turn your gaze to him because he is your constant source of care. He's your constant source of care. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's interesting. You may have noticed immediately. The first two verses, he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Then look at verse 3. He will not let your... He, he switches from, from my to your. Now, there's two options here. Uh, the first option is that this was sung as what's called an antiphonal psalm, which means um, that one person would sing one part and then the, the, the other people would respond. So they're back and forth. Now, that is very probable uh, that that was the case, but it would seem interesting uh, that one person would be singing about myself and then the other people would be singing about him too and not themselves. The other option is this, which I actually think is more the case. He switches from I and my and everything else to your because he goes from just talking about it to himself to telling himself something. It's like whenever the, uh, uh, the David says, oh, my soul, why are you so downcast within me? He's talking to himself. Now, I know uh, that some people, uh, um, you know, Luann and, and, and some of my kids, they will tell me, well, you know, talking to yourself supposedly is a sign of intelligence. Elsewhere, talking to yourself too much is a sign of insanity. But in this instance, you know this, and you probably know this to be true. There are times in your life when you are heavy and weighed down. And maybe you just need to take a moment and tell yourself something you know, but you need to hear it again. And he speaks to himself. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. That word moved, it means to stagger or slip. He won't let you trip up. Or fall. He, and then he says, not only will he do that, but he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. It's interesting when we hear that. It makes it sound like, okay, so is this psalmist saying that if you follow God, God won't let anything bad happen to you? Is that what he's saying? Because it's kind of what it sounds like he's saying. He, he's saying, you know, my help comes from him. He's not even going to let me trip. Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I can say this. In my lifetime, not physically, although I have physically, but um, in, in my lifetime, I've tripped up a few times. I've, I've slipped. I've fallen down. Um, I, have, I have found myself face down in the dirt, making a really stupid decision. Whatever it might be, I have fallen. So we are aware of the fact that in life, things happen. 
Even the scriptures tell us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It, 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 there's no respecter of persons when it comes to bad things. See, Christian people and people who love the Lord still have family members who pass away. Still have people who get sick. Still experience tragedy and hardship. So bad things can happen to good people. Bad things can happen to Christians. Bad things can happen to non-Christians. Good things can happen to Christians. And good things can happen to non-Christians. It's called life. So what does he mean here when he says he will not let your foot slip? Well, what's so amazing is this. He's not saying bad things won't happen. But uh, Alistair Begg, uh, to, to put it the way he did, he said, we need to understand the Bible in the way in which it reveals itself. So what that means is this, is that you take this statement, you take your life, or, or say the life of Joseph, and you look at Joseph, and you say, well, okay, so Joseph was thrown into a well by his brothers, lied to their, they lied to their father about him being dead, then they sold him into slavery, then he went into slavery, then he did really well, then he was falsely accused, and he was thrown into prison where he stayed for years, and then eventually he was delivered from prison. Now that just sounds like a stream of horrible events. But then, at the end of the story of Joseph, Joseph does something. Joseph does what all of us are called to do when we experience hardship and difficulty. Joseph takes a step back from his situation and he looks above the hills. He looks over the entire problem, the entire string of issues in his life. That uh, I mean, you talk about a guy who's got sibling rivalry issues. He's got all kinds of stuff. And yet when he looks at it, what does he say? What you intended for evil, God intended for good. Did that mean that Joseph didn't slip? Did it mean that he didn't fall? No, what it meant was, is that even in the midst of those things, God never let him fall headlong. His soul was never lost God was always there preserving him. It may look dark at a time, but joy comes in the morning. He says something amazing here. God doesn't just deliver when things get hard, but he says he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps Israel will not slumber. Behold, he does not slumber or sleep. Do you remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? When he's facing down the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and, and, and jumping around and trying to call Baal out. And of course, Elijah's sitting there. Uh, it's one of the best parts of the story. Elijah's sitting over in the corner just taunting them. Oh, maybe he's this. Oh, he can't hear you. And then he says something. He says, hey, maybe he's asleep and you should just go wake him up. Why can Elijah taunt them that way? Well, because he knows that Baal is not a real thing he's not a real person so he can't hear you so he says is he asleep maybe you should go wake him what kind of god falls asleep at the wheel what kind of god is not aware of what's going on so the psalmist says this god who follows you this god who watches you he is your constant source of care because he will neither slumber nor sleep there is never a moment in your life where God's eyes are not fixed upon you. Think about that. The millions of people in this world, and there is not a moment in your life, there's not a moment in my life, where God's eyes are not fixed on Jeremy Rogers. There's not a moment in your life where God's eyes are not fixed on you. 
Why? Because he doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't fall asleep at the wheel. He's not negligent. He's not not paying attention. He is always watching and able to see what's going on. See, sometimes in our difficulties, we can be prone to think, is God even there? I mean, God, are you there? I mean, do you see what is happening to me? Do you see what's going on? However, not only is he there, but his eyes are fixed on you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's going on in your mind. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. You have never been, nor ever will be, forsaken or forgotten. God is always, ever watching because he is a gracious and merciful father. And while you may understand um, that, that God is always watching you, what we have to realize as well is that when you're tempted to look anywhere else, turn your gaze to him because he is your present source of preservation. Not only is he your constant source of care, and your sole source of salvation, he is your present source of preservation. Look at verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. This is important because he kind of changes it a little. At this point, we, we know he's looked up to the hills. Where does his help from come? It, it, it come from? It comes from above the hills. It comes from the heavens. And then he knows in verses 3 and 4 that he, he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep, so he's ever watchful. But then sometimes we can feel like God is so far away. Like in the midst of my suffering, he's just so far away. Okay, I get it. He's, he, he's able to see me because he's God. Okay, that's great. But he just, he's so far away. But then the psalmist says, when you're in a difficult place, when you're struggling, the Lord is your keeper. Now again, like I said earlier, he says that six times. In this passage. That he keeps you. He keeps you. But the Lord is your keeper. Notice that next phrase. He is your shade on your right hand. He is your shade on your right hand. That means not only is he the God. The maker of heaven and earth. Who dwells in the heavens. And sees everything. And his eyes are always on you. But he's always right next to you as well. Why? Because he's the one casting a shadow. On your right hand. To keep you from harm he is keeping from and and being the shade on your right hand what you recognize is it's actually saying that even in the midst of these hard things he can bring you comfort he can bring you security so it says the lord is the shade on your right hand the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night it's that's an interesting phrase and we wonder sometimes like poetically what does it mean it actually really doesn't mean anything poetically it means exactly what it's saying He's giving us two extremes. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Well, when the sun strikes you, you get sun stroke. When the moon strikes you, you are moon struck. Okay, there's two different words, but it's exactly what he says. You will not experience physical problems by day. You will not experience, if you know this, the word moonstruck. We get the word lunatic from lunar. It's, it's about being crazy. What he's saying is, you're not going to be destroyed physically. You're also not going to be damaged mentally. 
God protects you. He's covering everything. He goes from the furthest end of the issue to sunstroke all the way to the other end of the issue, which is a mental problem. And it says, he will not allow you to be thrown. He will not allow you. It will not happen. So when we think about this and we hear this, what is he saying? While it it seems like he's giving specifics, really he's not. He's saying, to put it in our modern day terms, No matter what you're facing, the Lord's got you covered. That's what he's saying. From one end to the other. He's got you covered. Sometimes uh, when the issues of life get heavy, we can be tempted to look elsewhere because our soul cries out. I feel like we're asking, not only like earlier where I said, does does God even know? Is God even um, there? But then maybe you say, okay, I know he's there. But then the next question comes. Does he really care? Does he really care about me and about what's going on? The psalmist is telling us, and God wants to tell you this morning, not only does he really care, but he is ever present with you. He is at your right hand. He will protect you from one end to the other. He is present with you daily. Whether you're experiencing a hardship and difficulty in your life, or maybe you you're have, a, like I said, a difficult decision. Or maybe it's just this. Maybe you just feel alone. And yet this psalm should bring deep comfort. Because you are never alone. He is always with you. He is at your right hand. So that when you walk through the day, he is with you. And when you lay your head down on your pillow at night to sleep, he is with you. When you are sleeping, he is watching over you. And when you awake, he is still there. You will never be alone. He is constantly present and continually preserving you. So as we go through this life, and I love how he ends this psalm, as we go through this life, we can experience all of these difficult things, and sometimes we can be met with a level of trouble that is so far beyond. Maybe you have experienced something like that, or maybe you know someone who's experienced like that. It's, It's a problem, it's an issue that is far beyond anything you could fathom. And when you're met with this certain level of attack, you know, even to the point of things like um, if you experience the, the, the death of someone very close to you, this is a level of grief and a level of difficulty and hardship that is difficult to describe, really. It's a pain that goes very, very deep, and it's beyond our ability to handle. Sometimes, maybe sometimes, Uh, You have or you know someone who has actually experienced what we would consider spiritual attack. And if you've ever had something like that occur in your mind and in your heart, you know that it feels like you can't escape. Or maybe it's just grief or doubt or fear. And yet in all of these things, we know it's so hard because we know you can't defend yourself against that attack. You can't, you don't have enough. It doesn't matter what happens. If I lose my wife, there's not a shield I've got that I can throw up to protect me from the grief and pain that I will feel. And yet, even in those attacks, 
even in those overwhelming issues, we can be tempted to look somewhere else. But when we are tempted to look anywhere else, turn your gaze to Him. Because He is your divine source of defense. Look at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He says he will keep you from all evil. Why? Because he is omnipotent. He's all powerful. He will keep your life. Why? Because your life belongs to him. Not only is he all powerful, but he is the giver and sustainer of life. He will protect your going out and your coming in. That's a constant watch. He's ever watching over you and over me. Why? Because not only is he omnipotent and not only is he the giver and sustainer of life, but he is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at the same time. And from this time forth and forevermore, this is real fun. He doesn't just protect you some of the time. This says he is your help forever. Eternally. Aren't you glad... That we serve a God who doesn't exist for a little bit and then dies. So many throughout history have worshipped deities who had a beginning and had an end. But we have an eternal God. And because we have an eternal God, not only does he dwell eternally, but we reap the benefits of his eternal nature. Because he is a protecting God and a comforting God and a loving God. That means if you are in Christ, he will protect you and love you and comfort you forever. The psalmist tells us that he is eternal. In 1906, Ada Habersham and Matthew Merker wrote a song... And, and then in 2016, Keith and Kristen Getty kind of uh, put it in a little more modern language um, and added a little bit of phraseology to make it a little clearer. But it's called, He Will Hold Me Fast. He will hold me fast. It says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. And when the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I, hear this, I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, but he must hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. He will not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. Why? For my life he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Because justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. And it doesn't stay there. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. For how long? Till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last. Are you fearful this morning? Are you overwhelmed? 
Are you looking up at the hills and you see all of the trouble? You came into this room and many times we come in carrying a heavy weight, but we put a big smile on our face and tell everybody we're good. But you're carrying a heavy weight, whether externally, issues, or internally. And as you carry those things, the psalmist calls us to draw our gaze above the hills to the one who made heaven and earth, to the great creator and maker of all things. You may feel despair. You may feel fear. You may feel alone. Life might just feel like it's too much to take in, either now or in the future. But no matter how difficult the road may get, in Christ, look nowhere else. Turn your gaze to Him alone. Because in every need, He is your only help. And if you're here this morning, the truth is, all of these things are only true if you know Jesus Christ. Because without Christ, you are alone. You are vulnerable. You are prone to attack. You are prone to all those things. You are also prone to fall. You are also prone to be forsaken. You are also prone to be alone. But in Christ, a way has been made for you to be right before God. If you'll turn to Him in your pain and in your suffering, He alone is the only answer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I know while we might be somewhat moved and overwhelmed by the truth of your word this morning, God, the, the, the heavy weight of suffering and difficulty and hardship, we don't often like to hear messages that refer to that because we don't like to acknowledge it but the truth is if we don't acknowledge these things we'll never understand and be able to face them God you are our help you are our only source of salvation Lord I pray for those who are here this morning who are hurting who are in pain who need wisdom to make a hard decision, who need strength to make that difficult decision. Lord, for those who simply need comfort, for those who need protection, for those who need to be preserved, for those who need to be lifted up, Lord, I pray that they would look above the hills to you, our maker, and would recognize that you are ever-present, you are ever-loving, Lord, you are their help this morning. May they look to you. And for those who are here this morning who have never made a decision and turned their lives over to Jesus Christ, I pray this morning they would recognize they can't make it through this life alone. They need help. And their help only comes from Jesus. Lord, do according to your will. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name.